This is Sports Cutting Edge for ASTN, the Australian Sports Technologies Network. Here's your host, Lockie Wills. G'day, hello and welcome to Sports Cutting Edge. Thank you very much for your company. Uh, We are here for the Australian Sports Technologies Network, powering sport through innovation. Check them out, uh, astn.com.au. All right, so let's, uh, let's go a little galactic today. One of the biggest topics in the world at the minute uh, between Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, Richard Branson is all out of space. You know, we're, we're going back to the moon, we're going to Mars and the whole thing. Today on the show, we've got one of Australia's most prolific aerospace engineers, James Waldy, who's worked with NASA, the European Space Agency, MIT, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. James, as I say, one of Australia's most accomplished in this space, literally. James is going to come on and we'll talk about how he is bringing this science, this technology to sport, the biggest sport in the world. Uh, James is already dominating the Australian market. He's been on a He's just got back from a whistle-stop tour to the USA, talking with the biggest franchises, the biggest organizations in the world. His company, Cape Bionics, are revolutionizing sport by bringing in the most magnificent cutting-edge technology that he's been working on as an aerospace engineer for the best part of, what, 25 years. All that tech and how it's now being applied to sport, incredible stuff. James Waldy is on the show. As well as that, we've got the mighty Hayley McAdam from 3KND Indigenous Radio. Hayley Mac, one of the rising stars of Australian media, a regular on this show profiling the greats of Indigenous sport. This week, the immortal Lionel Rose. That's all ahead of us. Up first, James Waldy. Uh, joining us now, I'm Rat. This is one of my favourite people across the, the sports tech scene that I've met across the last five years or so of, of hosting these conferences all over the world. Dr. James Waldy is an aerospace engineer and has one of the most pristine resumes you could imagine. Worked with NASA, MIT, so Massachusetts Institute of Technology, the big pappy of tech right around the world, and also the European Space Agency. James has taken all this ability, all of this insight, all the, the skills that he's built up over a career as an aerospace engineer and invented a breakthrough product into the sporting market, Cape Bionics, looking at compression garments and the way it can change the game when it comes to professional sport and sport right through to grassroots. Uh, Dr. James Waldy, welcome to the show. Well, thanks, Lockie. Gee, that's a very kind introduction. I hope I can live up to it. No, mate, it's true. <laughs> I, I just, I remember the first time I saw you do a presentation and I thought, gee whiz, this is something that, re- I mean, all the products are fantastic, but some just, they're elevated to another level. I mean, your product has twice been used out of space on the International Space Station. I mean, that's extraordinary. I want to just tap into a bit of your background yourself. I mean, uh, can you give the listeners an insight into what you've done? And, and don't be too humble about it, because as I say, NASA, MIT, European Space Agency, can you give us an insight into your skill set? And then we'll get into how you've transferred that into uh, sports with Cape Bionics. Yeah, sure. Look, I did an aerospace engineering degree and a business administration degree at RMIT. 
Um, and during that, I learned a lot about how astronauts suffer a great deal of physiological deconditioning when in space. Mm. Um, and I started to look into this, and it was at about this time that the Sydney Olympics were on in 2000. Okay. And you'll recall... Kathy Freeman running in her swift suit and Ian Thorpe in the shark suit yep. and, and all these great skin suits uh, and all the advantages that they could bring. And one of the things that we were, uh, that I was really interested at the time is trying to preserve bone mass for astronauts in long duration space flight. And it was considered by NASA as one of the key constraints to safe and sustainable long-term space exploration and one of the reasons for that is that when we're on earth we have our body weight that is unfortunately for many of us more than what we like (laughs) but it's that body weight that keeps us strong our bones and our muscles strong supporting that mass and moving that mass around keeps our bones and muscles strong and we all know the phrase use it or lose it Mm. all that that is to an extreme case for astronauts in space because all of a sudden their body weight is completely removed suddenly um, and their bones and muscles say, hey, we're way too strong for this instance. And and you may have seen a a moderate case of this if you've broken your arm or or done something like that where you've had an arm in a cast and you can't use your arm for a month or six weeks or so. And then when you take your cast off... You wonder, where, where's my arm gone? <laughs> because your arm has just been sitting there. It hasn't had to, to do anything. Um, so your body always goes to that, to that efficient um, position, that, that efficient structure. If you lift heavy weights, you get more muscles. If you don't lift any weights at all, mm. then you lose your muscle. So in space, um, that's what happens. And so I was working on a, a skin suit. Um, that was intended to try and reintroduce, to mimic the loads of body weight onto an astronaut's body when they're floating in space. And that's um, that really comprises of trying to put the weight of your head and your neck and your arms sort of mm-hmm. on your shoulders. And then as you go down the body, there's more and more body there that loads to that point. Yeah. So by the time you get to your hips... You know, your hips are usually loaded when you're when you're sitting or standing mm. by the weight of your entire upper body. And then by the time you get down to your feet, it's your entire body weight. So so this skin suit was engineered to have this gradual stretch and this gradual imposition of a vertical load onto the musculoskeletal system. And 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 that design um, ended up Uh, taking me to all sorts of fantastic experiences. And I ended up doing a master's at University of California in San Diego, Um, came back, uh, finished off a PhD here with some work on skin suits for for both suits to be worn inside the spacecraft for astronaut health and also for space walking to to try and replace the type of big baggy um, balloons that the current space walking suits are. And then... um, Eventually went on to do uh, a postdoc at MIT for two and a half years and um, continued that work and patented the suit and worked with NASA on a number of things such as um, losing fingernails during space walks and, and worked mm-hmm. with 
the European Space Agency on my suit and, and ESA were really keen on it. And, and through them, um, that was the program that, that we developed the suit even further and we went on parabolic flight campaigns or the Vomit Comet, as it's more <laughs> commonly known. <laughs> with a, you know, it, it goes up and down and you get to experience weightlessness at the at the tops of the of the loops for about 10 to 15 seconds and um and then yeah that my suit went up uh, in 2015 and 2017 um on the on the space station so that was that was a thrill actually in 2015 i was over at the european astronaut center in cologne yeah. um and got to see you know when when um, the astronaut first wore my suit and and at that time uh, the station was over Australia, so that was uh, <laughs> that was a cool little thing. So um, that was certainly certainly something that I'm really proud of. And and throughout all that journey, working with medical grade compression and and pushing the limits and understanding what we can do and 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 learning about the aerospace quality and medical grade quality of compression, um, it re- it really taught me a huge amount. Mm. Um, and then when when I came back to Australia, um, and of course, where, where sport is such a central part of our lifestyle, right. I just noticed the difference that, that was so stark between the compression that was available and proven and working in the aerospace and the medical industries yeah. versus the compression that was offered to the sports industry. Yeah. Um, and, and to me, it was so stark and athletes were so craving any kind of benefit from this compression mm. um, that they're all wearing it and sort of in the hope that it can do something. So we founded Cape Bionics to fill that gap, mm. to provide athletes with professional proven medical grade compression mm. so that we can provide real genuine and consistent benefit. You know, it's not, it's not just a fashion, you know, a tightish, fashion garment yeah. like most of what it is <laughs> yeah. that you buy off the shelf is yeah. you know it's a proper professional um you know tga approved garment that that really does work it's extraordinary and I, I love the fact that your product first went up uh, to the space station in 2015 and there's nothing like repeat business the fact that it went back up in 2017 shows that it worked you know i mean they're yeah. not going to take it up there they do it the first time and make sure it works and then the fact that it went up again shows that obviously it was absolutely excellent your product um can i ask you know you know what i just want to get back into this for a sec before we get into the sport what did it feel like as someone who, as you said, you know, you, you've got all these qualifications, you're watching the Sydney Olympics, you, you get this inspiration, you come up with this idea about how to try and uh, stave off a problem that's happening for astronauts with regards to the bone reduction. You, you have it on the drawing board, then you start tinkering, you make this garment. To have it literally up in space, what did that feel like? It's a pretty amazing moment, I have to say. Mm. Um being involved with ESA and the Astronaut Centre and around some of these amazing folks yeah. that are doing amazing things, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's huge, huge pride yeah. on on one side, um, oh, nice. and there's and there's also a huge amount of um, humility, I mm. think, for me because uh, I didn't just do it alone. Yeah. Um, you know, I worked. Um, it was it was my design um, and my my patent with 
with MIT and David Newman there. But mm. um, you know, there's a there's a a really fantastic group of people that we worked with mm. uh, to make that suit real and proven and flight rated and eventually launched mm. um, and up in space. So um, there's a number of of really extreme emotions yeah. um, when you when and certainly when you're sitting there in the in the you know the control center and the astronaut center and the screens everywhere yeah. and it's um you know it's got all the feeds from the cameras on the space station and they're learning about all the technology and the, um you know the pioneering spirit and the and the mm. big science that they're trying to answer and that, and that was the thing that really attracted me to space in the first place yeah. you know it was was the science and the and the pioneering spirit of of you know, even astronauts today, totally. the risks that they're prepared to take mm -hmm. um, in order to, you know, answer some of the big science questions and to push, you know, the human race further to the moon and onto Mars. And that's something that I, I've never wanted to, to leave. Yeah. Um, and in fact, CAPE is still working on some of these space um, garments. We're, we're working with um, um, the Australian Space Agency uh, to develop new uh, compression garments for the next series of exploration with NASA, which is the Artemis program, which is the follow-on from the Apollo program. So, so Artemis is going back to the moon and then going on to Mars. Um, and we're working with um, a number of different garments. Uh, one of them is um, an orthostatic intolerance garment, which is designed to to try and maintain blood flow to the head when mm. um, astronauts come back down into a G environment and their their vascular system isn't used to having to work against a gravity field to keep blood flow up up to the brain. Uh, we're working on suits that stimulate the sensory motor system, mm. um, which is all about proprioception and 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 understanding where you are and your orientation and you know feeling on the soles of your your foot you know that you're on the floor so you understand you know that's down and and yeah. uh, all this sort of balance and control um, um and then we're also still working on the the gravity loading suit which was the one that's sort of been with me for a long time now and um you know we've been doing that for over two decades so so these sorts of suits and then we're also working on um uh, spacewalking suits or what nasa calls extra vehicular activity or outside the vehicle yeah. stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, eva suits which which is designed to uh, compress the body um, rather than pneumatically pressurize the body which is what we have when we're in an atmosphere so yeah. we're replacing these big bulky stiff suits with these sleek um, very flexible um, and very safe suits actually because if you if you just cut a part of the suit if you're outside or um you know outside the station or yeah. exploring the moon or mars or whatever if you if you cut one of the current suits and that would be a full body depressurization because all the yeah. air inside would go out through the cut if you have a an elastic skin suit mm. then that cut would only impact that local area and you'd still have a viable suit and you'd, you'd probably have some edema and particularly in things that I've experienced myself, putting body parts in uh, hyperbaric chambers and seeing what happens with testing, <laughs> testing gloves, for instance. We've done a lot of glove tests yeah. um, in, in hypobaric chambers to see 
how the elastics work in a simulated space environment. But um, so I think I think all of this is just you know really fantastic stuff where we're we're pushing um, our understanding and experience, particularly with with custom garments. And I think that's the that's the key that um, I think is the basis for all the stuff that we do mm. is that for a long time in the medical industry and in the aerospace industry, uh, people have known that when compression needs to work, it has to be accurate. Yeah. And that means that it has to be custom fit. Yeah. Um, and so the stuff that you get off the shelf is just guesswork. Um, maybe you're getting the right sort of compression. Maybe you're not. Uh, the literature is pretty clear on a lot of the sports compression. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Mm. Um, but if you look at the literature, which is studying accurate compression, where people have put the right compression regimes on the body um, and confirmed that that's the case, then the effects that you get are real. Um, so that's what we're doing with CAPE. Mm. Uh, we're providing that, that custom fit um, capability, which means that we get very accurate compression regimes and we get the, the um, genuine results and, and positive impact. Um, now, the, the the tricky thing, I guess, was that when we're working with only a few astronauts, yeah. it's quite easy to sort of work with the astronaut and, and spend a lot of time in measuring with Taylor's tape and things like that. And then you, you can go back and spend some time modifying the patterns for the garments, but we knew that that wouldn't really be commercially feasible yeah. if we're moving into the sports industry. So before we founded CAPE, we did an investigation into some automated technologies that would help us create a feasible option here. Okay. And one of the things that we did was we developed a system called AutoTailor. And the thought was that if we could just scan an athlete, which can be, you know, even only a few seconds yeah. to scan an athlete in three dimensions, and they, they could just walk in, you know, a minute or two, done. Yeah. Um, and then what Auto Taylor could do, we hoped, hmm. was it would take that 3D scan, take the material properties of the garment, and then also take whatever the optimum compression regime we needed in that case. So that could have been travel or recovery, um, could be um, performance or it could be rehabilitation. Now, there's, there's different regimes for mm -hmm. different use cases that are optimum. Um, and then Auto Tailor would spit out automatically the pattern that we needed to make. So it would mean that it was a really quick process, really quick and really accurate process with a 3D scan with the athlete, yeah. with just a portable device or, or in a booth or whatever, mm -hmm. and then a really quick and automated process to create those patterns, which we would then um, cut and seam in the traditional way that your normal mm -hmm. uh, leggings or calf sleeves or leg sleeves or arm sleeves or, right. you know, however are made, instead of, instead of people just cutting out the same patterns and making a thousand mediums a day, yeah. you know, we would cut out, you know, one for Lockie. Um, maybe uh, you would get a, a recovery pair of leggings and a travel set of calf sleeves. So, mm. you know, that would cut out, be assembled. Alan would be cut out and assembled and that would be the thing. And what we've, we've learned in doing that is that because the 3D scan is um, capable of taking you know, so much more 
resolution and so many more dimensions and measurements than just a tailor's tape yeah. at the sort of major landmarks. You know, what we can do is slice up the body into you know, millimetre slices yeah. and design the garment at each millimetre of height right. to provide the perfect compression on that point. Yeah. So if we're trying to create a uniform or a graduated compression regime, we're incredibly accurate at each point of height. We're not doing the existing approach where you sort of measure the ankle and measure the maximum calf and then you, you sort of you have those points, but then you've sort of got to guess what happens in between on the garment. You say, well, most people's leg looks like this, so we'll just draw it in the same way and just connect the dots. But with us, we don't have to do that. We've got, you know, every millimetre of height. So uh, what we found is that Auto Tailor is able to design these garments not only rapidly mm. but at a huge uh, step change in accuracy mm. as well so where our intent was to bring sort of professional medical grade stuff into sports auto tailor has taken our capability above the medical grade and now and that's why we've got sort of aerospace and the medical industries coming back to us and saying hey can you uh can you do some garments for us, you know, for yeah. burn garments or lymphedema garments or mm. for, you know, the Artemis program, orthostatic intolerance garments and and all these sorts of different things. So mm. um, I guess that's something that I'm really proud of in our achievement yeah. is that is that we've been able to take not only a step up for sports but to take a, a general step up again for all these industries when it comes to um, applying professional compression for for athletes or lymphedema or lipedema sufferers or you know in in all these sorts of industries so that's that's something that we're really proud of yeah and you bloody deserve to be too because yeah people as you say with those going through those various medical conditions for you to be able to Mm. give them some some uh, some easing to their pain and suffering that's huge let alone being able to help athletes obviously excel on the field i mean that that medical aspect gee that mm. that's that's really impactful um i want to talk when the rubber hit the road how did you go about getting it out there and the, i mean you've done an amazing job you've literally just got off a plane back from the u.s uh, going around and i know you uh, you'll let us know what we can and can't talk about about what you're able to achieve over in the u.s it's extraordinary over the last couple of weeks of traveling around to some of the major professional franchises and organizations but when you first started pursuing the sports path, um, how were you able to, to link in with some of the, the great clubs that you have in Australia and, and, and grow from there? Can you tell us about that process, please? Yeah, we had um, a linkage actually still with RMIT. Mm. So I'm, a, I'm an adjunct professor at RMIT. Mm. Um, and our first introduction to a professional team was through the RMIT Activator um, to Essendon. Mm. to the Bombers, and uh, we were introduced to to Justin Crowe there, the high performance manager at the Bombers, and and, uh, we we had um, done some work, obviously, before we went to Justin, you know, we had some um, um, trial products, we had some valid, we had a validation program where we were looking at the compression on the skin and ensuring that that compression matched with our design compression uh, we had gone through a very large program with VU actually on on optimizing the various compressions we had because we brought in 
some of my experience with with bioastronautics and so forth and compression and and the effects but we also wanted to bring in some of the more specific sports use cases and ensure that we had the most optimum regimes for for those cases which which primarily is recovery recovery would be 90 percent of what we do yeah um so so ensuring that we have that optimum recovery regime was critical Mm. um but also you know, the performance regime, which is different when you're active and muscle pumps are already activated um, and your your blood flow is already elevated with your higher um, heart rate and so forth. Mm. Uh, and then travel's different again and, and rehab where you're starting to get up into to really quite high levels of compression. Yeah. Um, so, so we had a product which um, from our tests were validated from the literature was terrific and, and um, you know, the bombers were, were really interested in it and, mm. and they were our uh, first customer yeah. um, and that was, um, you know, a great, um, a great experience because they, they wanted to buy uh, 25 um, calf sleeves, recovery calf sleeves for their first and then in the end uh, we, we did 25 for their oldest players and that was partly because Essendon were really interested in, in getting the feedback from from the older players mm. who know their body mm. and have used compression before. So, so they were the the better judges of whether this stuff was actually um, uh, impactful and positive and providing really you know genuine benefits. So, um, we did the twenty five oldest players in the you know the list of forty five, and then we were handing out the. The garments and then a lot of the younger players were going well where's mine how, how, do, how do i you know and they started calling them their space socks and where's my space socks and where's That's all it. this and um so in the end the, the team sort of paid for for those with the budget that they had and then the younger players said no well, we want a pair too this this is this is really cool this is what we've been looking for and yeah. um and so they paid themselves for for the garments so we had to go back and scan the younger players and then do another issue for them and um so that was really great and um you know we got some fantastic feedback from them you know from some of the um you know um, strength and conditioning coaches there they were saying that their their recovery was 20 percent faster which is extraordinary and was one of the things um you know that really started to to tell us that yeah this this stuff is really needed yeah. in sports and this answers that craving that athletes have had for a long time um, because, you know, if you've got blood, you know, then we can we can massage that blood flow. We can augment that blood flow. We can, we can supply oxygen and nutrients, you know, to areas that really needs it and yeah. we can aid in the evacuation and drainage of metabolic and waste products from those areas and we can really start to improve these sorts of things so um you know from there we we started to work with port adelaide which has been a a great proponent of ours and Mm -hmm. uh, we've had garments on a number of other afl teams um we're looking at more and more um through the years next year should be a great one for us and then um it was interesting we were actually at adelaide crows and some of the players were saying, gee, I'm, you know, this is terrific, but, you know, can you, and this was from a, the players, actually. They were, one of the players was asking, said, can you actually have a business just supplying Australian athletes? Is the Australian professional market yeah. big enough to sustain a business like what you have? Yeah. Um, and, the, and the answer is no. Mm-hmm. But, but this player was onto it right away. Mm. Um, 
and so that's why we've we've looked to the US because that's obviously a huge market. But but the work that I've done before has a huge legacy yeah. in the US with all the NASA work, with the MIT work, and 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 Australia has such an amazing reputation in the sports science field. You know, the, the US is teeming with Australians in professional sport. Um, and, and uh, you know, we, I, I remember we were on a, an ASTN, you know, US envoy yeah. uh, at the start of well, 2019, I think it was. Mm. And I had just met uh, Sam Robinson at VU. Mm. Um, and then we were in the San Antonio Spurs. And all of a sudden the door opens and Sam sticks his head in and says, G'day, hi, how are you, Aussies going? And uh, this is extraordinary to see this other Aussie stick his head in in the middle of, you know, Texas somewhere yeah. at this place. And they said, yeah, look, Sam's great. In fact, you know, the Aussies are in huge demand. Yeah. And and when they hear, um, you know, that you're Australian, you, you have a, a credibility check uh, because of the reputation and the quality and professionalism of what we do here mm. in sports science, um, so um, so that was obviously another great thing for us. And and you know we we speak quite closely with uh, with uh, Vold Performance, mm-hmm. who have who have been doing um, you know such an amazing job um, in in their business um, integrity and and their success. Mm. Um, so we've you know we've got a really good relationship with them, and it looks like you know some of their airband technology we may be able to be moving into nasa as well because they're doing some some studies as well that that i know of so Mm. we've been able to to have some sort of cross pollination there and and also with with catapult too of course and um so so really we've um you know from these australian sports tech companies that are doing great stuff over there um and and having you know folks already succeed and have learnt, you know, that you know, what what are some of the tricks to do and not to do and mm. um to learn from them and then and hopefully, you know, to try and follow some of their success in the US totally. is is obviously key. And um you know, one of the interesting things also is that we've we've spoken about some of the pro teams and, you know, we're we're speaking with a number of pros, but it's the college market that's that's really huge over there. And for Australians that's 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 really difficult to believe because mm. you know our university sports you know are just you know are great but you don't watch them on TV and it doesn't have a sort of professional uh, following. Mm. Um, um, but over there, of course, you know you go through the college mm. um, system and then you go into pro. So, uh, but you know the NCAA over there is. Well, the the market is somewhere around 150 times what the pro market is. It's it's really extraordinary. Really? Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's extraordinary. Yep. And and now you've just literally as soon as the international border came down, you were on a plane because you had so many commitments to get to that have been sort of waylaid a bit by COVID. Can you tell us about the couple of weeks you've just spent in America? How did you go? Who were you talking to? And what sort of uh, results did you get, mate? Yeah, look, we had a, a manic two weeks. As soon as we could get over there, there were a lot of people that we wanted to, to talk to. Um, and we had a number of, of goals there um, that I that I needed to, to needed to address. Uh, one of them was for the business. Uh, you know, we're, we're wanting to recruit a number of 
sales and BD folks over there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, the plan really is to have uh, one salesperson for each of the big uh, college conferences, if you like, Fantastic. the big five leagues, the, the Power Five that it's known as. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and so we were, you know, in, interviewing folks in, in uh, Florida and Texas at the moment for, for those positions. Uh, we're also looking at US production uh, in Boston uh, in, the, in the same facility that first made one of my gravity loading suits when I was beautiful? at MIT. Yeah. So, so we have a trusted relationship there and, yeah. and Liz is, is really terrific up there in Boston and, and um, you know, their business is really doing bespoke couture and, and all sorts of, you know, um, personalized garments and things. So that's going to be fantastic there. Yeah. Uh, we're also establishing a U.S. entity. So there are different things to do over there. Um, uh, also talking to some investors and some other folks over there from the business. But, yeah, also um, looking at a, a number of, at, on, uh, at this stage, mainly they were professional teams um, in NFL, um, NHL, um, MLS. Um, in um, So we, we, were, we were in uh, Orlando and Tampa and Miami and Atlanta and, uh, yes, in Boston, back down in Dallas and then in, in LA as well. So, um, you know, some highlights were you know, having some time with the Buccaneers, the Super Bowl champions and, yeah. and being with them for a number of hours and watching them train and understanding, you know, a lot of the professionalism and the science that goes into mm. into what makes them a really successful team and l- looking at the different positions and what they like to see and what they use and what they don't want to use and how compression can work with them and augment the programs that they have with their players and and really understanding the high performance managers or the athletic directors or the the, um, physios or the uh, performance specialists and the different titles um, for various folks in the teams that are really charged with with uh, getting the most out of their players safely and, mm-hmm. and you know, without injury. And um, so that's all, you know, it's usually quite different between the teams. Um, and so it's it's great to go and talk to them and, and understand how our bespoke and curated approach to the pros can really help them uh, because sometimes I have athletes that, for instance, you know, have, you know, re- really old knees or post-op yeah. knees or something and get a lot of swelling. So... You know, they need a different garment with a different compression regime to help manage that sort of swelling. Um, there's a lot of a lot of travel, Lockie G, that, yeah. that these teams do. You know, the um, NBA teams that we speak to, you know, they've got sort of three a week and, you know, it's extraordinary sort of stuff and they're going back and forth all over the place. And so being able to manage that travel mm. um, and manage their sleep and nutrition and hydration and so forth is obviously key, but... But where compression can help is obviously um, by reducing risk um, when you're flying of, uh, you know, DVT and things, particularly on long flights. But also it, 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 it speaks to trying to maintain a slightly elevated blood flow and, a, um, uh, you know, a slight dilation of, of the um, vascular system around the, the legs in particular that keep them fresh and so that when you get off the plane you're still fresh and you can still go um you know in a harder way than 
you know, often a lot of people don't travel very well and they feel quite leaden and, you know, they'll get other impacts. So mm. when you're flying sort of, you know, if you've got three games and maybe you've got six flights a week, you know, it starts to get, you know, pretty impactful. And a lot of the players too are, you know, of extraordinary, you know, human dimension. You know, mm. some, of the, oh, some, yeah. some of these basketball, you know, sort of crick my neck, you know, yeah. sort of talking to these <laughs> basketballers, um, you know, a full, you know, more than a foot taller than I am. And, yeah. you know, um, I'm used to sort of scanning legs, but, you know, the, <laughs> the, it takes a long time sometimes <laughs> to scan some of these guys and, um you know the the off the shelf stuff is even yeah. less meaningful for them because you just can't buy off the shelf stuff that fits mm. these sorts of players you know if you're really tall then generally the garments get bigger mm. um and so if you're tall and thin like they are then you you've either got to get a a garment that's tight enough that doesn't cover enough in your height or you get something that's tall enough but is just too baggy yeah. so so it's very difficult and and they you know, they really see the advantage of it from from a number of perspectives from the different regimes that we can offer. So um, the whole trip was was pretty crazy. It was interesting from a, um, you know, I actually felt because it's been what almost two years since we've been able to yeah. to, to travel, and um, you know, it was interesting getting back into it. Felt a bit rusty, and and there's a few COVID imposed things that you have to do, and mm. and I was, um, you know, you have to have a PCR test in the negative in order to board the flight home, and um, I my results weren't coming in, um, and so I'm there sort of <laughs> minutes before I need to get on the plane here to come home, and the result you know, just came in just um, you know it was a bit, um, I ended up having to go and try and get two tests in the hope that they would come yeah. in, um, so that was a huge stress and. Um, there's not a lot of people traveling internationally, actually, between US and Australia. There are only mm. 40 people on the flight home. Gee whiz. Um, uh, I thought it would be absolutely jam-packed with people trying to visit or get back yeah. uh, with with the borders opening. But, you know, there are, yeah, 40 people on the flight home. Um, but traveling around the US is just normal. Mm. Um, but they're probably a bit stricter with, with masks and um Anyone over the age of two has to wear a mask mm. when you're flying and traveling in the US. But, you know, planes are packed and um, it's, uh, it's, it was interesting also traveling to those different states and seeing how the different states mm. uh, are dealing with COVID and, and, and what the, the feeling is in those different states. And uh, so it was, it, was, it was a great trip in, in not only getting back into, you know, international and US travel and, and, and reconnecting face-to-face -face with some of the connections that we have over there, but also um, from business perspective in growing the company and expanding into the U.S. in a, in a you know, according to our um, strategy, which um, which is really terrific to do. And then also speaking in the end with with potential and existing customers and, and having sample garments and, and, you know, putting cape in front of them and, yeah. and, and you know, getting there affirmation that yeah this is this is really good and this is what we're after and and then getting the referrals from them to their colleagues mm. in different sports as well so um yeah look it was a it was a a, a great two weeks and one that i'm got back you know a few days ago and i'm yeah. still sort of in a bit of a whirlwind so um, yeah 
Mate, it's extraordinary, you know, and I know you've got to go in a sec. You're speaking to another major sporting organisation literally in a few minutes, so I better give you some time to have a breath between the two. But, mate, uh, you know, you're no uh, stranger to profound success with what you've done out of space. And, you know, it's an amazing thing to see Aussies, you know, on the world stage doing well, let alone out of this world doing amazing things. Uh, It's just incredible. For people listening, jump on capebionics.com and learn a bit more about what James has done. The progress that uh, you guys are making is extraordinary. I, I, I just love where you're at with this business because it feels like you know, you've know you done the Australian market and you'll continue to flourish more, but now you're cracking the US market. Um, the sky's the limit, mate. Uh, I'm so wrapped for your success. You deserve every bit of it. Uh, congratulations, James, and thanks heaps for your time. No problem. Thanks for those kind words, Lockie. I'll, uh, we'll keep working hard and, and make sure it all goes as, as we hope it does. It's terrific speaking with you. Thank you. You're listening to Sports Cutting Edge for ASTN, the Australian Sports Technologies Network. Uh, welcome to the show now, the best new talent on Australian radio from 3KND Indigenous Radio, Hayley McAdam. Hayley Mack, welcome back. Hello, thank you for having me. It's good to be back. Uh, yeah, now, Hayley, who are we talking about this week? Yes, so this week um, I've got a very special person, the professional boxer, uh, late and great Lionel Edmund Rose. So I'm excited to have a yarn about him. Um, He was born on the 21st of June, 1948, Mm. and in, you know, somewhat poverty, but his family really made the most of what they could at the time. So his father, a two-time Australian lightweight champion himself, actually trained Lionel as a as a young child and they they used rags as gloves, which was, yeah, really interesting. Um, so, yeah, from a very young age, you know, was brought up um, being trained by his own father. Mm. And um, at the age of 15, Lionel won his first amateur uh, flyweight title. Mm. And then by 1964, rose up and became a professional boxer, which is just amazing. He was the first Aboriginal person to win a world boxing title. So um, there's one particular uh, event that I want to talk about when he went over to Tokyo um, and versus Japanese champion Masahiko fighting Harada. Sorry. That's probably no. the wrong pronunciation. No, it was good. And I love his nickname, Haley. He fighting. fighting. His nickname yeah. is his boxing name is Fighting. Yeah. <laughs> fighting but, Harada. Mm. I love it. But yeah, no, so um uh Lionel versed him in a triumphant fifteen round decision. Yeah. Three and you know, one made history um as the second Australian teenager, but obviously the first Indigenous Australian fighter to win a world title. And um, he actually came back from Tokyo, back home to Melbourne, the streets of Melbourne, where there was a huge crowd and community waiting for him to celebrate Mm. with him. Approximately 250,000 people um, were there waiting for him to to celebrate, um, which is to date, is actually the largest kind of welcome home celebration that's yeah. ever been ever in Australian um, history, which totally. is Australian sports. Um, and 
And how's the fact that this is back in what February 1968? So the population of Melbourne—I mean, I sh- you know—I wish I knew the number, but maybe two million people. So now it's like four or five million people. So you know, in relative terms, like you know, it's like it's a huge amount of the population. It's like ten percent, one in ten people from the city came out to the streets to welcome Lionel back. It's huge. Yeah, definitely. Just, and I'm sure there was a range of people from different backgrounds because, yeah. like, even today. Um, like I work at 3K and D and, mm. you know, people ring up and they talk about him and, yeah. and they talk about um, not only his career as a boxer, but also as a musician. I'm not sure <laughs> if you know it, but yeah, no, he was an incredibly talented guitar player um, and record a country album, mm. which was crazy, right after meeting the king of rock and roll, yeah. Elvis Presley, which is like, Oh my God, Elvis Presley, that's crazy. <laughs> and I hear that Elvis was actually the one that was like, oh, I want to meet this Lionel Rose dude. I want to meet him. <laughs> like, isn't yeah. that like, most people want to go meet Elvis. Elvis wants to meet him. So that says something. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, it's just an amazing career with, um, he retired in 1976 and mm. had 42 wins, 12 mm. of them he won by knockout mm. <laughs> and yeah. um a total of 11 losses mm. but yeah no just an incredible career he made a member of the order of the british empire the yeah. and um in 1968 and in the same year was named australian of the year which mm. was the first aboriginal person to ever achieve that um which is amazing yeah despite his high profile kind of career and the achievements that he had after that he decided to you know work with um grassroots community and indigenous health and in reconciliation which is yeah um really inspiring like you don't see a lot of um athletes or you know anyone famous that has a career like that but then goes back to kind of where they come from and and works with grassroots community to to better the community and you know was obviously very passionate about that which is something that i love and i know a lot of people love about him so yeah amazing man yeah bloody oath i i saw that about his music career um he had a number two number two on the australian charts uh the song i thank you uh number two back in 1969 so man of many many talents um uh very cool and now Haley. so this is your last week uh, for this year on the show um what's on the, the plans what, what's what's happening for christmas what are you up to Christmas, yes. Well, I've booked my flights. I'm going back home to Darwin. Mm. So I'm excited to go back there, spend some time on country and yeah. with family. It's, yeah, really important for me to do that, especially after lockdown. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, that's all I have planned yet. Um, I maybe want to go to other places like Queensland. Whether that'll happen or not, I'm not sure. But, um, yeah. yeah, no, I'll definitely go back to Darwin. Ah, oh, sounds bloody magnificent. Oh, back to the territory. What a magical place that is. Um, Hayley, thanks so much for being on the show this year. Like, it's just, and the feedback from the audience, you know, everyone just loves you. 
and loves what you bring to the table each and every week. It's um, it's really special, and yeah, very much appreciate it yourself and G Man uh, Jerry Tiati Lines from Three K and D for you know for getting involved uh, on this little podcast that we're doing. Um, really appreciate it. Um, it's it's just magic having you on, um, and yeah, can't wait to hear more from you and and to watch your career just continue to shine and shine. As we mentioned at the top, you know, you're nominated best new radio talent. Those awards will be held early next year but uh i can do the judges a favor the the result is in Haley mcadam is the winner uh so you know you're just a bloody superstar Haley's. uh you know just 21 years old and and you're at the precipice of a, a gigantic career in this country and beyond i've got no doubt so it's just an honor having you on the show i appreciate it very much and uh yeah merry christmas to you and the fam Oh, thank you very much for those words. It's an honor to be here and, you know, for yourself to reach out to me and G-Man and 3K and So I really do appreciate it. And, yeah, no, I look forward to the future and what it'll hold. But, yeah, Merry Christmas to, you know, you and, and Charmaine as well. So oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, very kind. Thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks, Ailey. Well, that wraps us up for this week. Thank you very much for your company here on Sports Cutting Edge. Uh, All thanks to the Australian Sports Technologies Network, powering sport through innovation. You can check them out at astn.com.au. We'll catch you next week. You've been listening to Sports Cutting Edge for the Australian Sports Technologies Network. For more, jump online at astn.com.au.